Hello and welcome to the Rational National Podcast. I'm your host, David Dole. Coming up on today's show, wrapping up the week in segments, I have five YouTube segments to play for you. The first one, pro-impeachment Republican gets standing ovation. Then MSNBC airs savage critiques of Joe Biden from voters. Then Warren and Meghan McCain clash over Fox News. Then uh, what AOC and Ted Cruz plan to work together. And wrapping it up, the view crowd goes nuts for Warren's wealth tax. Check it out. First, I want to salute your courage. Republican Congressman Justin Amash, who represents Michigan's 3rd District, came out for the impeachment of Donald Trump. And while he was discussing it at a town hall, he got a standing ovation for it. Watch. I'm confident that if you read volume two, you will be appalled at much of the conduct. And, um, and I was appalled. To me, the conduct was obviously impeachable. So then the question is, um, do you then move forward with impeachment proceedings? In the Mueller report, he asked uh, uh, the White House counsel to create a false record. Um, things like that to, to basically mislead people about a statement he had made. Things like that, uh, to me, uh, reflect uh, incredible dishonesty and, and really uh, harm the office of the presidency. You see countries around the world where people do not respect the rule of law and they don't care about the character of their leaders. They don't care about the ethics of their leaders. And in these countries, all that matters is that your person is in power and as long as your person's in power, that person's allowed to do whatever they want. You saw what happened to me from our uh, so-called leader, Kevin McCarthy. I, I read the Mueller report. I'm sure he did not read it. I stated what it actually says, and he just resorted to ad hominem attacks and, and other various attacks that have nothing to do with the Mueller report. This is the kind of leadership, in quotes, that we now have in Congress. First, I want to salute your courage. And that's... So, it's pretty sad when you have Justin Amash, a Republican, coming out for the impeachment of Donald Trump, but... Nancy Pelosi, Democratic leader, does not support impeachment. I mean, he laid it all out. So even a look, I've talked about this countlessly, so I don't want to go through the whole Mueller report again. But the uh, the multiple cases of obstruction of justice, but even apart from the Mueller report, you also have uh, the violation of the emoluments clause, where you have in just one example of many, uh, the Saudis after Trump won the election, bought up a bunch of Trump hotel rooms, and then Months later was the Saudi arms deal. And then there was also, uh, of course, what happened with Khashoggi and just no response, essentially, from the Trump administration. I mean, there are multiple reasons here to move for impeachment proceedings. Now, I want to uh, read this response from Glenn Greenwald, who also recognizes, uh, I guess, the, the strength here in what, in what Justin Amash is doing. Despite many issue disagreements, I've long been an admirer of Justin Amash because he has a set of principles he believes and steadfastly applies without the slightest regard for which party it helps or who it angers. Imagine how much better DC would be if this were the norm. So, Glenn Greenwald, I think, uh, pointing out what would be great 
I mean, if you had more politicians like this, who look, again, it's very unlikely that I agree with Justin Amash on any policy issue because he is a Republican, but he's at least principled here. He can recognize that the president broke the law and that when the president breaks the law, then yeah, of course, move for impeachment. I mean, it's... it's funny he got a standing ovation, not because he doesn't deserve it for doing this, but it shouldn't have to come to this. I mean, this should be the default position. A president breaks the law, you should push for impeachment. This should sort of be obvious. But politics right now has gotten so crazy that there are people on the left that that are giving Trump a pass here because they think it'll be a distraction if you move for impeachment. I broke down all those ridiculous um, arguments in a in a previous video on on this very thing. So go watch that for my arguments there. But look, if the president breaks the law, I don't care if you can't convict in the Senate. I don't care if you think it's a distraction. I don't. There has to be a standard. If the president breaks the law, you move for impeachment. So Justin Amash's position here is they is the only correct position on this issue. Joe has a terrible history in the black community, and everybody just loves him because he's the fluffy old guy. Now, it's no surprise that Joe Biden is incredibly disliked by people on the left. But something that I've found kind of surprising since Biden announced his candidacy is that the mass media is also willing to be critical of Joe Biden. So MSNBC interviewed a couple of voters who were very critical of Joe Biden. Watch. I've been talking to voters here all morning, a wide, diverse group of opinions about this race. What I have been struck by is the almost unanimity about some skepticism still about Biden, some work that he is still going to have to do to convince voters that he is the right man for this particular moment. Take a listen to some of these conversations. It doesn't because I don't really believe in it, just because I don't think you beat something so far right with something so middle ground. Joe Biden is very middle ground for me, and I think you need something a little more far left to combat that. Yeah, he's Uncle Joe. Everybody likes their fluffy uncle. But he's Barack Obama's friend. He's got the cool black friend, right? That's all it is. Joe has a terrible history in the black community. And everybody just loves him because he's the fluffy old guy. He has given us no policies. And I like Joe Biden, but he's just not. I I do like Joe Biden as a vice president. So apart from the comments from uh, these voters, which I'll get to in a second, just the very fact that MSNBC was willing to highlight this shows you a clear difference in direction when compared to other candidates in the race. So they'll gladly show clips like this if it's about Bernie Sanders or about Elizabeth Warren. But when it gets to someone like Kamala Harris or Pete Buttigieg, they really do not highlight the kind of critiques that are being thrown from voters and from, you know, uh, analysts and, and commentators in general at those candidates. They're willing to do it with Biden and Bernie and Warren, but they're more protective of uh, Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg. Now, the comments here are just completely spot on. I mean, the the first voter there saying that Joe Biden is is uh, too middle ground and uh, you need someone more far left to beat uh, uh, Donald Trump. I completely agree. You need somebody to actually be able to get out and excite voters with a bold new message, with challenging the powerful, with calling out these uh, 
corporations and and the and the wealthy that are turning the knobs behind the scenes directly. So you have someone like Bernie Sanders, who has a 40-year history of doing that, and Elizabeth Warren, who's also hitting on a lot of those same notes, highlighting that exact critique of this rigged system. Meanwhile, Joe Biden, as I've done countless videos on, is bathing in the rigged system. He decided to go and meet with big donors instead of holding campaign events over the uh, holiday weekend, just as one example. Um, the second voter there also made some great comments. Uh, Biden is just essentially Obama's friend. That's all he is. And this is somebody who says he likes Biden. So this is where I think a lot of Biden's appeal is, just in terms of Biden has a personality, I guess, that a lot of people are attracted to. I don't really get it, but I, I understand it in the sense that Biden has this veneer that he is like your average Joe. He's just your, your average guy until you dive into his history on these actual issues, how he's been on the wrong side of practically every issue his entire career, how he's fought for Wall Street and credit card companies. Joe Biden is not your average Joe. He pretends to be on the surface, but ultimately he is just as bad, if not worse, than the vast majority of politicians that are already in Washington. So again, I do think people will begin to wake up to this. And another aspect of this is, I don't think Joe Biden has any real growth potential. I mean, everybody knows who Joe Biden is because he was Obama's VP. So there is no, there is no real growth for Biden. The only, the only real movement that Biden potentially has is to go down. So because his name recognition is so high, because people have already made up their minds about who Biden is in many cases, the only worry for Biden or the, the only movement for Biden uh, is really to go down. He has no he has nowhere to go up. Everybody knows who Biden is. Now, you could potentially say the same thing about Bernie Sanders as well. But I, th I think because uh, Elizabeth Warren is um, riding on a lot of the same message that that Sanders is, she is uh, kind of cutting into to Bernie's uh, support there a little bit. Now, I will say I do think Bernie is clearly above Warren in terms of him having a strong long record on these issues and fighting for these issues in the face of the powerful. So Warren, while she says a lot of the right things and her policy proposals recently have been fantastic, she doesn't have the political strategy behind it. This is somebody who was not willing to endorse Bernie over Hillary Clinton in the 2016 primaries, even though we all know that uh, that that uh, Warren would support Bernie's policies over what Hillary Clinton was offering. Warren time and again, has shown an unwillingness to challenge power. Now, with that said, in this campaign, at least, she has been willing to challenge Joe Biden. So she has put her record up against his. She has called out his attachment to uh, to Wall Street and to, to credit card companies. So she is at least willing to do that right now. And I think it helps that she's actually lower in the polls. It gives her more of, a, uh, more of an ability, more freedom to really be on the attack. I think if she was leading, she would not be attacking her opponents. But because she is behind... She right now has no, she has nowhere to go but up. So she's more willing to to attack Biden on uh, on those various issues. But as I've said before, I think once we passed, uh, once we pass some of the debates and get into September, October, there is going to be a shift in the polls. I really do think that Biden is going to lose a lot of support. And I think that Bernie and Warren will continue to rise. Now, Kamala Harris and Buttigieg, I think, are kind of wild cards. I saw Kamala Harris in a recent uh, town hall. I thought she was 
completely boring, just dispassionate, didn't really seem to care about the issues she was talking about. She seemed very staged, very fake. Uh, I'm not sure if that's uh, the fault of her aides or what or her choice to do that, but I think if she had the freedom to be more of herself, then she would do better. But also, Harris has a pretty bad record uh, as well, but before she got into politics. so And, and Buttigieg is just an empty shell. <laughs> Buttigieg is an empty vessel for big donors. So again, Kamala Harris and Buttigieg, I don't trust them to actually fight for any progressive policy. Warren, I, I trust her on some of the issues, but I don't think she would ever go as far as Bernie is uh, is willing to go. So I don't know. I want to hear your thoughts on, uh, on Biden and do you think he'll be able to hold the support that he has so far, or do you think it's uh, it's going to go away? Let me know. And I just think you're alienating an audience. And oh. for me, it just sounds like you don't care about the people who watch Fox News. I care. Elizabeth Warren joined The View to discuss many issues. And one of the topics that came up was the fact that she decided to not do a Fox News town hall. And Meghan McCain took issue with this. Watch. I was surprised when you rejected it, just because I know you're someone who will go to spaces where you're not necessarily liked. And I think, with all due respect, it's a little short-sighted not to speak to the Fox audience. I used to work at Fox News. I don't think you think I'm a bad person, no, at least I hope not. I um, why, why not give this a second look? Because I really do think it's a mistake, and that's just my, my anecdotal. No. Uh, I just, it's such a huge audience, and it's such an interesting part of the country that watches. So here's how I see this. Look, as you say, I'll, I want to go everywhere. And look at it this way. I have three brothers, my three brothers, older brothers that I grew up with uh, back in Oklahoma. One is a Democrat. Hmm. Do the math on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to reach out to everybody. Um, I've been to 18 states. I was just in Kermit, West Virginia, where uh, they describe it as the reddest of the red. And we did a town hall where there were folks who quite openly said, I voted for Donald Trump, may vote for him again, but wanted to hear what I had to say and wanted selfies by the time we got to the end. That's a good thing. But here's the deal about Fox News executives, and that is they're running a hate-for-profit scam. And so here's the deal about those town halls. They make a lot of money off those town halls. Right now, advertisers are getting really antsy about being with Fox on a regular basis because they don't want their brands associated with them. We do town halls. We bring in a big Democratic audience to watch that night. And then the sales reps for Fox come out and say, oh, look, look at our high numbers uh -huh. and look how even-handed we are. I'm just not going to give them a full hour to help raise money and help get credibility because they were willing to talk to me for an hour. I'm There's so many people that watch that are really good people. Yes. And I just think you're alienating an audience. And no. for me, it just sounds like you don't care about the people who watch Fox News. I care. And I'm going to find a thousand ways okay. to reach out. Look, I've done, I think it's 88 town halls now. I've taken 1,100 questions. I'll go all around the country. I want to talk to people and find as many ways to reach out as I can. I am just not going to help the Fox News executives raise money off okay. my name. Dollars of money. All right. Now, before I even get into uh, my thoughts on this, 
I just have to pull out this one quote from Meghan McCain that I found to be pretty funny. <laughs> she says here, the Fox News audience is, quote, such an interesting part of the country. Yeah, it's a very interesting part of the country. Nice way of saying that this is a very misinformed or uneducated part of the country. Now, that likely isn't even Meghan McCain's words. That probably isn't what she meant, but that is definitely what the audience is. They are incredibly misinformed. Now, at the same time, I'm actually kind of on both sides of this argument. So, in the very one of the very rare times I sort of agree with Meghan McCain on something, I totally see the perspective that, I mean, Warren is essentially cutting off... Uh, a major audience here. I mean, she is cutting off the potential for her to at least educate some misinformed people on some different ideas. At the same time, I do think it depends on the candidate. So with uh, with Bernie Sanders, I think Bernie has an incredible ability to speak to people uh, across party lines. I think he's able to do that, first of all, because he's an independent. So immediately, that sort of takes one wall down for a lot of people. But also because Bernie has been saying the same thing for 40 plus years, and he's always had this uh, very poignant critique of this rigged system. And he's able to deliver that in a very, in a way that doesn't sound like a college professor. <laughs> so because Warren is very much in the weeds, because she is a policy wonk, I don't necessarily think that she's able to educate a Fox News audience the same way that Bernie Sanders is able to. So I don't really I don't really think it would have been worth it for her to to have a Fox News town hall. I wouldn't have criticized her if she did. I think it would have been great, but at the same time, I completely understand her argument saying that it helps Fox News raise uh ad money if she's going on there and essentially legitimizing them for advertisers. I completely get that argument, so I understand her uh her desire to not go on Fox News and give Fox News executives that boost. But also as I said, I also get Megan McCain's argument because you are cutting off an audience here. Now, there is something that, that has to be said, though. Democrats don't need the Trump voter base to win. What Democrats need to do is reach out to non-voters and independents. Democrats have an issue with enthusiasm. So every election, conservatives come out and vote for Republicans. So they're going to come out for Trump, regardless. But when it comes to Democrats, they have the potential to grow their base and get more people out to vote. But the only way they can do that is by exciting them with new, bold ideas and a new, bold message. So you have to... This is the mistake that mainstream press gets all the time. Or I'm not even sure if it's a mistake because they oftentimes are purposely misinforming people. But Democrats don't need to be reaching across the aisle. They don't need to be reaching for conservative voters. They need to get people that are just not into politics at all. They need to show that politics can be done differently, that you could have somebody like a Bernie Sanders who is not taking any uh, big donor money, doesn't have any private fundraisers. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is doing the same thing as well, but Elizabeth Warren has said that she's only doing this for the primary, so if she were to become the nominee, then she would end up taking money from big donors. But in the case of Bernie Sanders, his entire career, he's relied on individual donors. And the majority of his donations so far in this uh, in this primary has been from 
uh, people that are giving under $200. So Bernie has the biggest volunteer base. He has the most individual donors. He is running on a grassroots movement of people, which is also what Elizabeth Warren is currently building as well. So these are two candidates that are able to build their base or build their support base on regular people. So if you are, if they are able to communicate that, so, I mean, if there is one missed opportunity here, it's that Elizabeth Warren won't be able to communicate that to the Fox News audience. Because I think telling a conservative audience that I am not relying on any other money except from individual voters, I think that has uh, the ability to attract people. But because Warren has been painted already by Fox News and Donald Trump, I don't know if she would have been able to really cut through all of that the way that Bernie Sanders was. That the people that Ocasio-Cortez and Senator Cruz are going to ask to vote on this are the people who are looking ahead to their K Street payday, which is a retirement package. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ted Cruz appear to be uniting forces to fight corruption. This is a headline I never thought I would see, but I'm going to read through the Twitter discussion here and uh, exactly what, what went on. So... It all started with this tweet from Public Citizen. Breaking. Nearly 60% of former members of the 115th Congress who have taken jobs outside of politics are now lobbying or have other jobs influencing federal policy. Now, this is an obvious issue that's been going on for a while now. It's just, I mean, this is direct corruption. How can you possibly trust these politicians to actually work for you if what's in the back of their mind is a job lobbying once they get out of Congress. So AOC, correctly recognizing this problem, tweeted out, If you're a member of Congress and leave, you shouldn't be allowed to turn right around and leverage your service for a lobbyist check. I don't think it should be legal at all to become a corporate lobbyist if you've served in Congress. At minimum, there should be a long wait period. So I think she's completely right. Now, what was incredible, somebody on the other side, Ted Cruz, agreed with her. So he tweeted out in response saying, Here's something I don't say often. On this point, I agree with AOC. Indeed, I have long called for a lifetime ban on former members of Congress becoming lobbyists. The swamp would hate it, but perhaps a chance for some bipartisan cooperation. And then AOC comes back saying, Ted Cruz, if you're serious about a clean bill, then I'm down. Let's make a deal. If we can agree on a bill with no partisan snuck-in clauses, no poison pills, etc., just a straight, clean ban on members of Congress becoming paid lobbyists, then I'll co-lead the bill with you. Cruz replied, you're on. And eventually, after uh, Democratic Senator Brian Schatz and Republican Congressman Chip Roy jump in, AOC uh, tweets out, Okay, with uh, Brian Schatz and Ted Cruz, we've got at least one Democrat-Republican team in the Senate to ban members becoming lobbyists. And myself with Chip Roy makes at least one uh, Democrat-Republican team in the House. And that's just in a few hours. There will surely be more from both parties to sign on. Nice. Now, this is great, I guess. <laughs> I just have a hard time believing Ted Cruz, knowing that Ted Cruz is just does not have a good record. So one thing that I, I, I noticed immediately when I was researching this story is if you go to Ted Cruz's Twitter page, I mean, all he's been doing 
is retweeting stories talking about him and AOC working together. I'm not even joking. There's like 15 retweets about this. So here's just a few examples. He tweeted out a bunch of stories from one from CBS, one from Fortune, uh, one from somewhere else. I mean, you go to his go to his, his his Twitter page after this video. It's endless the amount of stories he's retweeting about him working with AOC. For Ted Cruz, I think a lot of this is to uh, is for PR, and it's to help make himself appear more palatable as somebody who is really, he's so serious about fighting corruption that he's even working with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I think that's sort of the approach he's he's taking here because it's important to remember that Ted Cruz has taken countless amounts of cash from special interests or at least from billionaires. So this uh, headline from CBS News in 2016, billionaire donors aided Ted Cruz's rise in 2016 race. The long-believing benefactors are New York hedge fund billionaire Robert Mercer, Texas natural gas billionaires Ferris and Dan Wilkes, and private equity partner Toby uh, Nuge Bauer. I have no idea how to say the name. Uh, they honed their plan to help Cruz before he began his steady rise in polls, even before he announced his presidential bid in March. So, Ted Cruz takes a ton of money from billionaires. That said, I guess it's not necessarily lobbying firms. And I'm sure Ted Cruz uh, has no interest in becoming a lobbyist after he's uh, he's out of Congress. But maybe he does, and he knows that there is just absolutely no chance of this passing because all these members of Congress want a lobbyist job after they're out. So here's MSNBC talking about the uh, giant hill that these two will have to climb to get this passed. The people that Ocasio-Cortez and Senator Cruz are going to ask to vote on this are the people who are looking ahead to their K Street payday, which is a retirement package. It's hard to imagine now, but there was a time 30 or 40 years ago where it was almost unheard of mm. for a member of Congress to go be a lobbyist, yeah. and certainly not, not a senator. And now it has become so routine, I can't think off the top of my head of a retiring lawmaker who has not gone to work for a lobby shop or, or a uh, you know quasi lobby shop, uh, it's it's become the life cycle for Congress, and so they're highlighting an important problem. I think. So, I think this is an incredibly important point to bring up because if Ted Cruz knows there's no chance of this passing, then this is really for him just good PR, and nothing more. So, AOC is actually serious about this because she has a record. I mean. She the only she beat Joe Crowley in the Democratic primary for, for that for that seat with uh, she was outspent, I think, 10 to one. She raised money only from individual donors and uh, the Justice Democrats, which also is only from individual donors. She took she had none of these private fundraisers, no corporate lobbyists, no corporate interest, nothing. Just individual donors is why, and grassroots support and volunteers is why she was able to beat uh, Joe Crowley and eventually go on to, uh, to to win her seat. So Ted Cruz, on the other hand, as I showed you, just one example, he has a history of taking these big dollars. So I don't know how serious he is about this, but that said, this is uh, kind of a crazy story. Do we think that the two cents should stay with the top one-tenth of one percent. They can't pitch in two cents. Elizabeth Warren was on The View where she discussed her wealth tax and the crowd appeared to love it. Now, before I show you this clip, I just have to tell you how I came across it because 
oftentimes what I do is I go to these various channels like MSNBC or CNN or The View, and I look at their YouTube page and look for clips that may be something I want to cover. In this case, this clip was actually buried under a different title. So they titled it something about a, a completely different policy topic, which Elizabeth Warren touched on for maybe five seconds in the clip. But the majority of the clip is heard talking about this wealth tax. Now, the reason I bring this up is because I noticed this again and again. Whenever anybody, especially these candidates, challenge the wealthy and the powerful, they bury the clips, whether it's not posting them at all to YouTube or whether it's putting them under a different headline. I, noted the, uh, I noticed this again and again. But um, let me get to uh, this clip here. And I'm also going to get into the actual polling on how popular this issue is, as well as how Elizabeth Warren has been rising in the polls. And I'm also going to showcase or at least um, show you a couple other uh, different approaches to taxing the wealthy. But first, here is uh, Warren on The View discussing her wealth tax. And my proposal is a two cent wealth tax on the top one tenth of one percent, your 50 millionth and first dollar, you got to pitch in two cents and two cents for everyone after that. And with that, we can cancel student loan debt for about 95 percent of the people who have it. It's yeah. Wow. And now, finally, oh, but, oh, but, but, but we can do so much more. Two cents. We can not only do that, we can also provide universal tuition-free technical school, two-year college, and four-year college for every one of our kids who wants to get an education. Plus, we can do universal child care for every baby age zero to five. Wow. Universal pre-K for every three-year-old and four-year-old in this country and raise the wages of every child care worker in preschool Senator, to the level you know what's going to happen. You know what they're going to say to all of these wonderful plans you have. They use the S word, socialism. <laughs> How do you counteract that type of an assault? You know, 43 million Americans who would see student loan debt canceled under my plan, I think right there, that's where you cancel it. You cancel it by making it real. It's in this country either. This is our values. Do we think that the two cents should stay with the top one-tenth of one percent? They can't pitch in two cents on the 50 millionth and first dollar. We're not saying they're bad people. We're just saying when you do that, pitch in two cents so everybody in this country gets a chance to yeah, build something. All right, so you see there, at least from the crowd's reaction, how popular this proposal is. But... The polling that I'm going to show you here in a minute also bears that out. But before I get there, I also want to share two other approaches to uh, taxing the wealthy that you may have heard about. So AOC suggested a top rate of 70% on income over $10 million, which would actually be somewhat below prevailing rates under Dwight Eisenhower and around where top rates were from Johnson to Carter. Sanders' plan would raise the top estate tax rate to 77%. That's the same top rate that existed from 1941 to 1976, this is higher than the 65% top rate he proposed in the 2016 race. So there are two other uh, proposals there. I say, why not combine all three? Then you ha are really beginning to move closer to a society that is uh, more fair. Now, let me show you some polling on this issue. Because 
Regardless of what you may hear in the press by the millionaires that are delivering you the news on television, this is an incredibly popular policy. So the first example here, Gallup poll from uh, 2019 that asks, uh, as I read off some different groups, please tell me if you think they are paying their fair share in federal taxes, paying too much or paying too little. So when you look under upper income people, 62% of people, and it's fairly consistent since 2012, uh, think that people that are upper income are paying too little in taxes. So that's just Gallup. That's one poll. Let me go to another one. So Pew Research from 2017, what bothers American about the federal tax system? So the percentage you say each bothers them blank uh, about the federal tax system. So some corporations don't pay their, pay their fair share. A lot. 62% of people say it bothers them a lot that corporations don't pay their, uh, their fair share. Same with the wealthy. 60% of people say it bothers them a lot that wealthy people don't pay their fair share. Again, showing you that this is an incredibly popular policy to raise taxes on the wealthy and large corporations. Let me show you one more poll here from CBS in 2017. Which groups should have taxes increased or decreased? Large corporations. 56% of people think that large corporations should have their taxes increased. 58% of people think that wealthy Americans should also have their taxes increased. So clearly, based off of polling, the vast majority of Americans agree with increasing taxes on the wealthy and on uh, large corporations. Now, I also want to show you uh, some recent polling here that shows that Warren is rising in support. So this uh, YouGov poll re was released on uh, May 29th and has her at 42% uh, of uh, Democratic voters considering Elizabeth Warren. And uh, you have Biden there, of course, at the top still with 45%, and Sanders right behind Warren at 41 Now, this is a trend I've been seeing consistently with Biden actually going down. So even though Biden's in the lead here, this is a lot lower than where he was. So Biden right now is losing support. Warren is gaining, and Sanders is saying is staying uh, somewhat in in the same range. So, I I mean by the the time the debates are uh, have started, or let's say by September when some of the debates have already happened, I think this landscape here is going to look a little different. I think Biden's going to be way down in the polls, and I think Warren and Sanders will be at the top. When you have a message that is different than what other politicians have run on. Warren and Sanders are the only candidates right now not taking any big donor money, not even having private fundraisers. These are two candidates only running on uh, individual donations. Now, I should say, as I have to mention every time, Warren said that she would be open to accepting money from everywhere if she were to win the nomination. So this approach is one she's only taking for the primary. Sanders has always been about just uh, the individual donor, so he'll never be taking any big donor money. So there is a, a difference there. But with that said, Warren is the only other candidate, uh, apart from Sanders, obviously, that, that is doing this. Now, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, I believe, is also taking this approach. But I'm essentially, I'm referencing who, who right now is in the top. So <laughs> unfortunately, Tulsi Gabbard, if you're a supporter of her, uh, she's only pulling around 1%. 
So until that changes, I don't, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about her because I, I just think there are other options right now of uh, people that, that have stronger support. But uh, just be aware that there are other candidates that are also taking, uh, are only relying on individual uh, donor money. They're just not anywhere near the support that Warren or, uh, or Sanders has. Now, also, with all of that said, I still think Bernie Sanders is the best choice. And it's simply because he has the fight. He has a 40-year record of fighting for these same policy issues. He's been a leader on each of these issues. And he has shown a willingness to fight the establishment. Elizabeth Warren, unfortunately, I think in 2016, she showed her unwillingness to challenge power when she didn't endorse Bernie Sanders in the primary, instead waited and then eventually uh, endorsed Hillary Clinton almost at the, the very end of the Democratic primary. I see her political calculation in that move, her thinking that, well, Hillary's going to win, so I don't want to anger Hillary by supporting Bernie, but she was wrong. <laughs> Hillary lost, and if she had supported Bernie early on, I think there's a good chance that Bernie uh, could have beat uh, Hillary Clinton. So it's those sorts of miscalculations that Warren makes, and not to mention she's not great on foreign policy issues. So those are the reasons that I support Bernie Sanders over Warren. Though right now, I do think Warren is a uh, a good second choice. Let me just say that. So that's pretty much it. I, again, keep an eye on what these candidates are doing, what they're saying. Especially, look, there are people likely in your life that support Joe Biden. Make sure you tell those people that Joe Biden right now is deciding to meet with big donors with lobbyists, with massive corporations, and raising money from them as opposed to having uh, campaign rallies. Biden is your typical politician. He has this phony veneer of being your average Joe, but he totally is not. He's always been on, first of all, on the wrong side of practically every issue his entire career. And on top of that, he's been on the side of credit card companies, of Wall Street. Joe Biden is not your friend. So, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it's one thing for people just to, to, that, that watch YouTube that already know this stuff, but you have to do the work yourself as well. You have to educate the people in your lives and do it kindly. Don't do it, you know, in a mean way. A lot of these people that support Biden, they just don't know any better. They just know Biden as Obama's VP, so they like him. But you have to educate them on who Biden actually is. Show them, uh, I have a, a previous video comparing Biden's record to Bernie Sanders' record. And it's clear who's been on the correct side of history and who hasn't. So again, it's one thing to take in these videos and uh, you know educate yourself. It's another thing to go out and actually educate other people in your life. And I think that's what makes uh, or what will make the real difference here.